1: Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com.
0: And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com.
1: What is with you in the horn swoggling this week? It says clearly in the end of the episode, keep the horn swoggling to a minimum, and you... Are trying to destroy my introductions?
0: Yeah, but you didn't even acknowledge it. Actually, today. people
1: only come to the show just to hear that catchphrase that really? I have. Yeah, that's it.
0: I thought they came to hear me.
1: <laughs> Not bloody likely. They do. Thanks for joining us for a minute. One hundred fifteen of the Curse of the Black Pearl. I have a feeling that today is just one of those episodes where I have nothing to report. No latest news, or at least nothing I particularly wanted to share. No fancy introductions. I simply rolled out of bed and began the morning routine of unlocking the chest, checking to see if my shriveled heart was still intact, Oh yeah. locking it up safely, and placing it back in the freezer. Gives you the warm and fuzzies thinking about my cold, shriveled heart, don't it? Yes. What are you commenting on that for? You're supposed to say, (sighs) oh, no, you don't.
0: (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. You don't have a cold, shriveled heart. Yeah, and what's with you
1: again taking over my introduction? You're just beating me down already. What
0: are you talking about? Which is interesting that you did the
1: introduction because i was happening to go back and listen to like the very first episode and the pilot episode
0: when we didn't know what we were doing
1: yeah basically and it made me a little sad (laughs) i thought that's out there oh my god who are these people where's the energy what's going on we
0: didn't know obviously
1: we had no hell of an idea what was going on (laughs) so everybody out there who's listening still you guys are troopers You guys just stuck it out to make it all the way to minute 115 and going, now they finally know what they're doing. It's been quite the evolution. We're a fast paced, crazy, euphemistic show going on here. And what I heard made me think I was actually Governor Swan. I was just supposed to be high society. I was drinking with my pinky out, drinking rum that was, but still my pinky was out and up. And it was like, welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute show kind of deal. It's like, what the hell? Scott of the past? You scurvy dog. What kind of pirate intro is that? What does that say when we're going to talk pirates and I'm doing the, welcome to Pirates of the Caribbean. Thank you for joining us. Today we'll be cooking up sweaty balls. balls. Yeah, (laughs) like the NPR ladies on that show. Saturday Night Live. It's like, what is going on there? Boy, I'm sure glad we evolved. At least I did. You over there, different story. But at least I can bring it home every episode. Really? Somebody's got to pick up your slack.
0: Somebody's got to pick up your slack.
1: Well, I choose not to entertain your... I thought so. How dare you? Seriously. We're talking about the days of old. In fact, it bothered me so much that I had to record a special little intro just to say, Hey, new listeners. Yeah, I'm an idiot. We've evolved. Check out where we are now. Don't give up on us yet. Stick it. I mean, stick with us. Not stick us. Pirate stick it. That's okay. But stick with us. Just pick a little jaunt over to minutes in the 70s or 80s or 90s or even in the 60s or whatever it was. But just far enough in the future that you can then go back and go, okay, things will get better. We will get through this. That's actually why we formed the Listeners Group, the Cursed Listeners Crew. It was to help people get through the beginning episodes. They could share their, what is going on here? Are you guys okay? (laughs) Is it really cold there? Is your metabolism slowed down?
0: (laughs) Have you turned into sloths?
1: Yeah. Now, here we are. Here I am, anyways, carrying the show like usual. Bringing the excitement, the pirate love, and trying to engage Heather enough.
0: And the pirate action, by the way.
1: No pirate action right now. It's always good pirate action, though, if you're looking for pirate action. Not here, but somewhere, I'm sure. It's pirate action somewhere. Unless you have something really weighing on your mind, let's get the ball rolling. What do you say?
0: Or the ship a-rockin'.
1: Not the ship a rocking. Didn't we already go over this?
0: The waves rock the ship.
1: That's not what you were referring to. We're
0: on a ship! The waves rock the ship. The only ship. ship
1: you're on is the good ship Venus. In the previous minute, after learning that she was snubbed by Mallet and Grapple, and not included in the Finer Things Club, an enraged and likely ravenous Elizabeth Swan ventures onto the deck of the Black Pearl and hands that little cheeky, innocent monkey a severe beatdown, drops him on a cannon, and attempts to send him to the depths of Old Hob. The commotion above sends Grapple and Mallet topside for a mere rescue, while the clearly devious Elizabeth eludes the duo, attempts to locate the vacated feast, but instead finds the motley crew behind bars. Minute 115 begins with the cursed crew fighting the seamen of the HMS Dauntless in a monoe skeleton battle. Pintel and Rigetti arrive at the naval ship and make their way through an open cannon port. The minute ends with Kohler looking through the glass of the captain's quarters while a shaking Governor Swan hides in the corner's shadow. Spotted by the creepy skeleton, he panics and makes a break for it past the doors, which provides an opportunity for skeleton hands to punch through the panes and spark a wig tug of war. So That's where we end. Minute one fifteen. A what, wig tug of war.
0: Was that Kohler that seen him?
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. the first one. But then there was other pirates that were yeah, grabbing at but him. But
0: Kohler was the actual one who seen grabbing him. grabbing
1: at him. Grabbing at him. G-
0: grabbing at him.
1: Exactly. Pocanacha, Kohler was the one Pocanacha? who exactly. Kohler was the one who spotted him there. But that's not where we're actually going to go. First, I have to start with Norrington. It's oh, so now Norrington catches on that something is amiss. It wasn't the two strange ladies. Mind you, a bit of high society floating out of a darkened cave on Isla de Muerta with parasols at night. You know that moonlight can be brutal on skin. (laughs) Apparently, that wasn't a good enough sign of things to come for him. He lets them go on their merry way without sending one of his longboats after them to at least see what's up and lend a hand. Like, you know, there could be ladies in distress here. We should go check them out. Woohoo! I was prepared to blast Norrington yet again. But then I remembered that he really is blind when it comes to women in danger. Of course, of yeah. a death and that whole Elizabeth thing, ring a bell. Yeah. So that's why. Maybe he couldn't... Well, he couldn't blow his cover for one. Because he was waiting for the pirates that would row out of the cave and then he could spring his ambush. His whole ambush plan. Yeah. But the second reason, he just couldn't tell that there might be anything wrong with the situation. Because ladies were involved. He thought...
0: Well, oh, you know, normal.
1: They're mysterious as it is, and I can't tell if they br- can't <laughs> breathe or not. Maybe they're just, this is what they do. They're just rowing out of The bit.
0: mysterious woman. Yeah.
1: So he just thought this is something man that happens. He can't
0: ever figure them out.
1: And so he had to leave it alone. He just couldn't go there. Actually, no man can go there because you just can't figure him out. So this, actually, this could be something that any of us would have done. Like, you know. Nobody can see me. I'm kind of peering like I'm looking like with a squinty eye, an R squinty eye. But you know,
0: uh, actually, that's more of the one eye. A one eye. Yeah. Uh, They might be okay
1: over there, just rowing away
0: in the dark. In the dark. Parasails.
1: Parasails. See, that's a whole different thing. It's really weird that in the 18th (laughs) century they're parasailing. Uh, It's this, they were looking, that's what actually stumped him. Norrington's like, what, A, what is that flying contraption? And these two ladies, skeleton ladies, are flying over the ocean being propelled by a longboat, I guess.
0: Glad you got joy out of that. I
1: did get some joy out of that. But think of it parasailing pirate skeletons. Now, that's something you don't see every day. Yes. And that's definitely something Norrington didn't see every day. So that's what happened parasailing. Maybe you
0: should call up Bruckheimer.
1: You can. And that's a Put whole it in new the next movie. Yeah, that's that's the twist to the next one. It's kind of a revisit to Isla de Muerta, but when they all go in there to get him, Jack Sparrow then parasails out. Yes. And he gets his freedom. There we go. But he really should have sent someone after them in the first place. I know it's an ambush and he's trying not to be seen, but come on. It's a little strange. Just send one boat over there. It
0: is strange.
1: Yeah, I think we talked about some of this before, but I I had to bring it up again. It was
0: more Gillette.
1: I was that's what it was about,
0: not Norrington. It wasn't
1: really Norrington, and so that's why I had to bring it up again. And I think maybe we touched on it a little bit, but Norrington comes back again. And because this whole thing unravels here. We have Gillette spying them. They're co- obviously, Pintel and Rigetti are coming to the Dauntless. To the Dauntless. They've r- managed to row their way across
0: uh-huh. the
1: water there. Gillette sees them. He sees that they're skeletons. He gets his hat blown off. There's obviously something wrong. But if Norrington had just done something, he could have, like, been prepared a little more instead of just letting them go by. That's one of Norrington's downfalls. But again, he was, to his credit, shocked at the parasailing in the 18th century. That's just something they didn't have.
0: Who wouldn't be shocked to see parasailing?
1: Well, I'm not shocked. I mean, if I go, oh, the 18th century. century. Yeah, okay, everybody would. Yeah. But the smartest man on the Dauntless, the now dead guy, is the one who decides, you know what, I'm going to ring that bell. Bravo to him for making that happen. He deserves a golf clap. He does deserve a golf clap for that. It is interesting that the fighting is commencing, and only when the soldier rings the bell do the gunshots start on the ship. Yeah. Norrington looks over to see, and then he hears all the commotion. And he can see kind of puffs of smoke and fighting and yelling and uh-huh. gunshots going on. And but it's only blasts. after the not at first though. It's only yeah. after the bell rings. And I imagine everyone else is just sitting there. They're like, dang it. Use only swords because we don't want to blow Norrington's cover. I know we're being attacked. They'll be held to pay, though, if he comes back and we're not quiet because we blew his cover. But once it is blown, then they're like, okay, now we can use the flintlocks. And Norrington makes his way to the ship then. We know that the other pirates didn't want to do that. A, they just came out of the water, so they all have... Wet. Wet powder. But they could have picked up some dead man's... Flintlocks. we do see that guy bayoneting that guy over and over again with all this going on norrington then makes his way to the ship like okay we've missed the boat the ambush failed now we're gonna head over there but it's definitely an ode to the theme park attraction i think the long boats making their way in the dark cannons blazing and then splashes in the water yeah classic pirates of the caribbean ride thing
0: when you're going through the ride and the cannons hit right next to your boat's
1: Exactly. That's Same a, type of, what it reminded me of. Yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't doubt it if that was put in there for that particular reason. And if the music that you heard from the last time that we were talking about, there's other elements that are Pirates of the Caribbean ride references, at least that I think of, too.
0: Yeah. Did you notice the Dauntless is clouded in an unnatural fog?
1: Uh, really? Yeah. I don't know if I paid that much attention yeah. to that part.
0: It's all fogged in when when you see um, Norrington looking towards the Dauntless after he hears the you know the cannons and everything. The Dauntless is covered in this unnatural fog, a neat scene because you see the fog around the Dauntless, and then so you only see the top of the the mast and stuff on the Dauntless. Dauntless. But you can
1: see on board the ship there was smoke. Coming out from the well,
0: you can see the, the gunshots and stuff, yeah. but it's it's all fogged in.
1: But I saw some muzzle powder coming off some of the guns on the ship. You can see if you look really closely, like puffs of smoke. Are you sure it in wasn't in that distance? Puffed? Yeah, heck yeah.
0: Okay, but, but it's maybe all there's foggy some, around there. There's
1: well, then that would make sense, though, because the fog follows the crew is kind of our theory on yeah. that because of yeah. the curse. How come the fog wasn't inside the cave though?
0: on the outside of the
1: cave. Yeah, but how come it's not inside the cave? It's
0: not inside the boat either.
1: Yeah, it just kind of follows them, so it hovers around them, so it's not necessarily like they're encased in fog. <laughs> Otherwise, they're like, where the hell did that treasure go? I can't see anything. <laughs> okay, yeah, you're right. So it's just on the outside, just like it's on the outside of the boat. It's not like the Barbosa's like, I can't see Jack! When he's trying to steer the Black exactly. Pearl. Okay, so that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So it's kind of a neat scene. You have... The ship that is encased in this fog. Then you have the moonlight, the moon above the ship, and the moonlight is shining across the water right towards Norrington.
1: Oh, it's like a like an, an arrow, arrow this to, way to
0: Norrington. Yeah.
1: That's how he finds the boat, though, or That's, the ship. That's how he finds the, the ship. The
0: moonlight leads the way.
1: Yeah, because he wouldn't have been able to find it otherwise. He's like, exactly. where the hell did we park that thing? <laughs> and then it's just like, boom, there it is.
0: So it's kind of a really neat shot.
1: Cool cinematography, that's what you're saying. Yeah. And I have something actually that I'll bring up a little bit later on the cinematography as well that I thought was pretty cool. Because I don't want to do it now because I don't want to end on a history note. Yeah, that's right. You heard it. This entire sequence got me wondering about, well, ships of the line. First ships of the line, as they're called. And specifically the Dauntless. As I saw all the longboats heading back to the ship, and I counted six of them. But maybe there's a couple more, at least from the shot that I had. Six. And we do know that Elizabeth used one, so that's at least seven. Yeah. I was asking myself, just how many longboats could the Dauntless hold? And I know everybody else out there was asking the same question. I was. That's good to know. I'm not the only one then. So there's two people in the entire world that were going, just how many boats does that thing hold?
0: In fact, I was going to ask you how many longboats the Dauntless held.
1: Well, it's not easy... To track down, at least this fact is not something that I could easily find. So I had to go about things from a historical perspective. What's on the HMS Victory? That's the ship that inspired the Dauntless, right? Yeah. So I uncovered some wicked cool facts while doing some of this research. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Really? History and wicked cool? Obviously, you don't know the meaning of the phrase wicked cool. And yes, you're probably right about that. I don't because I am talking about history with this phrase. So you do have a good point there. But that's not really going to deter me from bringing a little education to the masses here. And if you happen to be in school, I'm definitely happy to sign off on your form saying you took a history class with us. Some th- at-home schooling. Th-
0: I actually think you've used that before. I don't think so. Oh, I think you did.
1: It's about history. i got to sign off. i got to remind people. Yeah. Maybe that's why it's in my mind. School's out, though. It's like summer school. They can get their oh, summer school oh, oh, credits. Oh, okay. How dare you try to...
0: Get you on technicalities. Yeah,
1: Exactly. Summer school, jeez, what is with you? I think I'll just leave things at weapons and boats for now, and then we can circle back when I need some other, other. cool facts. And if maybe so during the credits or whatever. Your, whatever happens to come back up.
0: Is that your pirate voice? Other.
1: No, it wasn't. It's just my normal, grizzled, that's a man voice. <laughs>
0: what the hell is going on over
1: there? Seriously. Plus, I don't want people to keel over from the excitement of history. They're already Wicked, ha-
0: cool history,
1: and their already hearts are palpitating because they're just hearing my voice. They're going, "Oh my god, that guy! What is with your face? I swear to God, why, why am I getting the beat down today?" Because I get it
0: every we're other talking- day. We're
1: talking. No, you don't. It's well deserved if you do get it. By the way,
0: plus you went on and on about parasails.
1: <laughs> I wasn't the one who brought up parasailing.
0: Yeah, con- and
1: you just brought it up again, <laughs> which reminded everybody. They're like, "Oh yeah, that parasailing. That was pretty cool." So, just how many longboats were on the Victory? Well, the answer shocked me. That's my clickbait right there. And that things were a bit close to reality with the film, actually. Okay, seven longboats? Maybe it's plausible for the Dauntless. In reality, the Victory didn't carry any longboats. Yeah, strange, right? Yeah. But the ship did carry six other boats that were comprised of a launch boat, a barge, three cutters, and a pinnace. That's not. Hey, how dare you? That's not what it is. How dare you go there? Seriously, oddly enough, the pinnace was usually rowed, but could be rigged with a sail for use in favorable winds. And a pinnace would ferry passengers and mail, communicate between vessels, scout to sound anchorages, convey water and provisions, or carry armed sailors for boarding expositions.
0: That pinnace sure came in handy.
1: You bet they do. (laughs) Welcome aboard the good ship Venus. (laughs) The launch boat was actually the largest boat on the Victory, and that measured 34 feet. I'm not going to really get into all this because this will definitely put people to sleep. But, yeah, I did It comprise a bunch of notes on all these, and I thought, you know, why would I do that? Why would I torture everybody? Barge was also known as the captain's gig, was smaller and lighter than the longboat barge. Yeah, and even smaller and lighter than the pinnace. It was usually crewed by four oarsmen and a coxswain. Now, that is some euphemistic Jiu-jitsu, right there.
0: Was a cockswing on the penis?
1: <laughs> uh, shiver me timbers! No, just on the barge. That would get two people's minds were exploding if you did that. <laughs> they couldn't do that because then the pirates were just—they couldn't keep the salty language to themselves when that happened. So they finally just like, okay, no more cockswains on the the penis. People's minds were—we couldn't even get any work done. The pirate ship couldn't even sail. People were just laughing and drinking I guess you're rum all day. Getty. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> what do you mean, we're getting You're doing it in here. I mentioned it, and the first thing you did was go there. I did not. You did, too. and we'll, <laughs> You did. Then there were cutters, which are small boats that may be powered by oars or a single-masted sail. And the Victory had two of those, a 25-foot one and an 18-foot one. But, and this is the big but, this is where it really gets interesting and answers a lingering question that we had. I am going to solve the mystery. Yeah. History is going to give us a slap across the longboat face for making fun of Elizabeth escaping onto the magical longboat appearing behind the stern. How dare history even attempt to try and correct that awesome humor and that insight that we brought of where did this longboat come from that Elizabeth just drops down onto, right? Yeah. During battle, the boats, whether they had longboats on, for instance, or in the case of the victory, these other six boats, right? Yeah were often towed astern of the ship to keep them out of the way and also to reduce the potential collateral damage of additional splintered wood flying across the deck if the boats were hit by the enemy cannon shot. Damn you, History! Trying to take away all of our fun. How dare you? They are technically in battle, right? Yeah. Because they're parked there. They know that there's going to be battle. And this is what happens. During battle, removing wooden objects was necessary to reduce... Collateral damage, as I said, of splintered wood flying across the deck, right? Yeah. All wood items were sent below the main and gun decks, like mess tables, benches, furniture, and even the boats. They put them over the side or tied them up. Huh. When clearing the decks for action was called, an experienced crew could clear that deck of the ship the size of a victory in 10 minutes. Now, that's some crazy fast time. Yeah. That's crazy.
0: You wouldn't know how many people...
1: Well, there's hundreds and hundreds of people yeah, okay. on there—four hundred or eight hundred. Well, I don't remember okay. what it was now, but there's
0: okay. Then that yeah, with that many people, you could could
1: do something like yeah. that. But not it's not like they had everybody up on the deck to like no to move because and, there's
0: people down below getting the cannons ready and
1: exactly and all there's kinds some of stuff. really cool stuff that I'll bring upon. Well, I'll share upon the masses later of just how many people were on board. We talked a little bit of how many crew were on board, but yeah. the some of the things that or the amount of people that were required to do something was pretty staggering. Like, for instance, they said for to raise the heaviest anchor on the ship, it could take 144 men to do that.
0: Well, God, how much could a anchor weigh? It's, I said we're not going to get into car? that. How dare you? It's got to weigh as much or more than a vehicle.
1: Of course. They're humongous. But we're not getting into that. I said we're not, and you went there, and I'm not going to tell you anybody. went there. No, I just gave a little tidbit and then I moved along. That's how I steer this vessel. You have to then go into details on it. Because I have some pretty cool facts about it that were actually pretty staggering and blew my mind. A history mind. So I'm not saying it's going to blow a normal person's mind who's going to say that this is not really the cup of tea that we would want. In a Pirates of the Caribbean podcast. With your pinky out? Yeah, with my pinky out. And since we see the cannon fire happening while Norrington is doing his best Washington impersonation. And I brought that up again because I said that earlier. Because you tried to hornswoggle me with throwing out that fact of recycling my history sign-off sheet. So I wanted to recycle something else then. Just to spite you. A broadside was when all the cannons fired on one side of the ship. To keep the ship from listing badly, the guns were fired one by one from bow to stern in a wave effect. Each carriage and cannon weighed about 1,500 pounds. A trick of the era to extend the range was to skip the cannonball shot off the water like one would actually do with a pebble on a pond.
0: Huh.
1: Wow. If cannonballs aren't enough that you have to be afraid of, the last thing you want is to get caught off guard with a skipping cannonball. Yeah. An iron ball yikes that's not good no you think ah oh, <laughs> they missed Wow! Yeah. there goes your face
0: <laughs>
1: that's how it happened each cannon had its own crew which was typically 12 men and a boy who would run to the lower decks for the gunpowder filled cartridges from the magazine wow below. 12
0: people around one cannon yeah Jeez.
1: they had to man these things and wow. load them and fire them and go get and they had to send the boy to get the magazines and the cartridges and stuff like that. Pretty wow. crazy, huh? yeah. That's it. So that's my history lesson for the day. Some HMS victory, Dauntless-inspired history. So now we can see what was going on there. But you can imagine, a hundred-plus gun ship, if you fired all those cannons at once, for every the, the action, chaos. there's an equal and opposite reaction. But oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they do it equal in a wave. <laughs> yeah, so they couldn't, like, all... They all fired simultaneously. It was like, whoop. Yeah. So they had to do it in a wave, which was pretty cool. I never thought about that.
0: It's probably better anyway, because if you're doing... Go ahead. If you're doing them all together, the cannonballs could actually veer and hit one another and push them off. What? The the cannonballs. You're shooting all the cannonballs at one time. Boom, boom, boom. Everything at one time. They could actually slightly veer and hit one another. Which would throw your shot off and you just lost two cannonballs.
1: I don't know if that's a fact.
0: I don't say it's a fact. You're so saying like the wind blew posi- the cannonball? No, it was slightly off. It wasn't just straight on, it was slightly tilted. Well, I don't think who that knows? it did it does Who knows? It's just a thought. Don't look at me like that.
1: I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say to that. I'm Is gonna like I'm gonna pretend like that never happened.
0: How's it not a possibility?
1: Well, if you want me to say in the realm of certainty that this couldn't happen, obviously I can't say no. Okay. I mean, this requires like hard science testing to finally say what is the percent error that this is going to happen. And I don't have that information. So is it possible? Yeah, I guess okay. technically. But I don't know if that was a big problem. Well, because it they wasn't
0: a problem because they didn't shoot all the cannons. It at had the same to be time. a problem
1: for the first guy to try it. Well, let's do all these 100 well, at once. Well,
0: his ship threw, flew backwards.
1: Okay, I think you would just taken us way far away where I wanted to go. How dare you? You and your crazy crackpot cannonball hitting theories. to me. With that, and our now heavy hearts after hearing that, I was going to dive into some thoughts about Governor Swan, dear Weatherby. But since he continues to wrestle with the skeleton crew next minute, I figured we might just bump that conversation until tomorrow. Because I really wanted to continue on with our cannon talk here. Okay. No, I didn't. Don't even bring it up. There is an artistic use of camera work in this particular minute. Governor Swan is peeking out the window and we get a muffled view of the fighting on the deck. The wavy smudged pane glass offers a unique out of focus perspective of the fighting, which I thought was pretty cool. It's this first person glimpse of what's happening and we're seeing it through the eyes of Governor Swan. So that's what I thought. Thought about that. Maybe that's why I actually also had a sudden urge to wear a powdered wig. It's because I was looking through his eyes. (laughs) Just kidding. I always wear a powdered wig. What it wasn't because of that. That's just normal. And you behavior. see
0: like that every day because I smudge up your glasses before I go to work every morning.
1: Well, that's probably why. I just like, oh, that powdered wig looks really vision. good on me.
0: Oh, through the glass, the blurriness through the glass. I know, but that's normal why I ended vision. up wearing
1: the powdered wig because I'm always thinking like Governor Swan. How dare you not follow what I'm saying? I don't know if anybody followed that, but guess what?
0: <laughs> Nobody followed any of that conversation.
1: You're the one who brought it up. You're the one who had to mention it. You couldn't just leave the powdered wig alone. You had to extrapolate on it. You just didn't want me being the only one wearing the powdered wig. And so you got a little jealous. So you had to jump in with your own I idea. I don't
0: want to wear a powdered wig. It well, makes I don't, me look old.
1: I don't have anything else. And I'm not even going to comment on that. Because that I'm not in Norrington. I know what I should and shouldn't <laughs> say for the most part. For um, the most part, I didn't say yeah. always. So unless you have something else, I say we... Put this one to bed and that way we can continue for the next two or three hours our Talking debate about... on cannonballs and their trajectories. Yeah,
0: that's a good idea.
1: Man, how dare you bring us down. We didn't even get an actual like explosion with anything. We just ended up on kind of this weird cannonball powdered wig discussion that made no sense to anybody. And, and I just started off the show saying how much we've evolved. And now I think I got to take that back.
0: You're not so sure we've evolved? Yeah, I'm
1: not so sure we have evolved. We might sound a little different, but no. We're just, uh, welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. (laughs) We'll be back tomorrow with Minute 116 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horns swoggling to a minimum. While you're at it, let's go club hauling. Hey, where's that grog? You drank the grog, and I don't know how many times we have to go over this. There is no grog left. Shopping. There ain't enough grog in the store. The county to keep you satisfied. What's that, Banjo? Heather's been drinking at the Faithful Bride Tavern? Take me to her, buddy! Blimey! Passed out in the mud with the pigs? Again? This sty is your second home. Heather, wake up! The show's done, and you're supposed to tell everyone where they can find us, where the after party is, and how their voicemail may be featured on the show. Banjo, get me a bucket. Hey, Scallywags. While Banjo's getting some water to wake up Heather, it's time I say thanks for listening. If you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. It helps us out, and we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook and Twitter. If you're interested in our best of clips, you can find us on SoundCloud. All the links are at blackpearlminute.com. It's that easy.